I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Understanding your market, understanding your customers, and understanding your people, that's the foundation for growth. So how do you develop that understanding? How do you get to a point where you know what your customers want or what the market is doing? I'm Joe Glover, founder of The Marketing Meetup, a global community that connects and educates over 20,000 marketers in the most lovely way possible. Everything we do, we do it to put the human beings we help first. I'm Richard Wood. I lead the marketing agency Six and Flow. I've worked in marketing for around 19 years now, and I'm a massive believer in that marketers should be trying to engage with people on a human level, not just treating them as leads and numbers in a spreadsheet. Listening listening to the people you're engaging with, listening to your customers, listening to your team. Building an audience is an incredible way to grow your business, but it's not a one-way street. You have to listen. It's something we've always tried to do with the Marketing Meetup. We listen and we learn. When you say you're listening, Joe, what do you actually mean? Like, how how are you listening and what are you listening to? It's an interesting question. I guess, like, for me, um, when I think about listening... A lot of how I think about listening has been shaped by a guy called Oscar Trimboli, who had spoken at the marketing meetup not all that long ago. Uh, Oscar, for me, is the the world leader on listening and knows far more about it than me. But one of the lessons that he left with me and I've tried to implement every day since is that when we're listening, we're doing our best to help the individual who is speaking understand what they're saying rather than just looking to understand ourselves. So it's almost like a little bit of an act of generosity. And the theory that Oscar sort of speaks about is that your mind thinks a lot quicker than your mouth can speak the words, the thoughts that are going through your brain. So, for example, if you've got uh, 10,000 words going through your brain any minute, then uh, you're only speaking about 100 of those. So that means that there's 9,900 words that have run through your head, but you haven't verbalized out there. So for me, like it, it, that, that was a bit of a breakthrough moment. It was like, wow, you know, this, the, the words that are coming out of people's minds are actually just like such a small proportion of what we're actually thinking. Then, you know, listening is actually an act where we're trying to discover what the other person is actually trying to say. Okay, and, so, so I, get, I get it, right? I get what you're saying. But yeah. is that not an incredibly patronizing way to look at the way that other people are talking? So you're, you, you exist and you are listening to then solidify their thoughts i I don't think it is patronizing because i mean like at any level um then we can i'm I'm sure we can empathize i mean the first thing that comes into my brain is well maybe i'm i'm extrapolating my experience out to everyone else but i'm fairly sure folks will be able to relate to the experience of saying a sentence and it not being exactly the right thing that they want to say and you know the, the problem is that in a in a business context if say for example a ceo is saying a bunch of directives. Uh, they're saying we would like to do this, this, and this. Then those things are taken as gospel. 
So I think like what we're actually doing is seeking comprehension. We're seeking direction. We're seeking like to truly understand like the the intention behind people's words. And like with all of those things, that's not a, a patronizing thing. That's a gift. That's something where we're saying, you know what? Like I really care about what you're saying. And I'm going to be doing my best to absolutely understand right to the core of what that is. So then we can actually move forward and actually do the things that we're supposed to be doing. I'm sure we've all got hung up on emails from uh, from suppliers, from clients, from bosses, from colleagues, where like we've got the wrong context. And that's in a written communication form. But like, you know, we've obsessed over like a word or a sentence in there when really the, the context, the intention wasn't there. So like... You know, I think actually it's, a, it's an experience that a lot of people will be able to, to relate to. And therefore, on that basis, it's sort of something that is a common experience. And we, we, it's an act of generosity rather than an act of sort of looking down on people and sort of saying, you know what, that thing that you're saying, it's not actually what you mean. I think it's just a sensible thing to do. It's a productive thing to do as well. But, it, so, but it, like, I, I, I get it contextually what you're saying i just don't necessarily agree with and it might just be a semantics thing but you're saying like the act of listening is all about helping people understand what they're saying whereas i would actually say actually no the act of listening is un is about you interpreting and understanding what they're saying it's got fuck all to do with help them understanding what they're saying because they are <laughs> they are saying what they are saying and because i mean if you were to turn around to me and go well actually rich no that's not what you meant I'd be like, fuck off, Joe. It's exactly what I meant. That's why I use those specific words. But you <laughs> you have interpreted that in a different way. So yeah. for me, for me, listening, absolutely. It's my job to interpret and understand and for me contextualize what it is you are saying to me. But I don't think it's my job to help you understand what you're saying. And I think that's where I I feel that that's almost like a patronizing statement saying, well, without me, Joe's thoughts aren't ever going to be clear enough, <laughs> which, you know, maybe we could go down that route, but I don't think that's exa exactly like how our relationship works. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I can, I can see what you're saying. And, and like, I, I don't think you, you expressly go into a conversation and go, Hey, Rich, uh, let me help look. you. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, so the experience that I had with Oscar and, and, you know, I appreciate that he's just one person, but, uh, it works elsewhere was that I was in this specific context I was speaking with Oscar and saying hey I'd look, love to give you a talk uh, I'd love you to give us a talk at, at the marketing meetup and he said sure what do you want what do you want uh, me to speak about well I sort of said you know like listening I guess you know because that's what you speak about and like through a series of questions and interrogations and being genuinely curious and open to understanding what I actually meant by uh, listening I guess we got to a conclusion which was like okay so the problem that our audience are facing are that they're not understood by their bosses and the result of that is that marketing is not understood uh, in their companies which means that they feel undervalued and they don't have a mechanism for dealing with that but that's and, but that's not just listening though though you've presented him with a with a a, a challenge a problem that mm -hmm. you so and the problem being you weren't able to articulate exactly what you needed and he was in a position where well i can't deliver something if joe doesn't tell me what he actually wants because it'll end up mm -hmm. being a fluffy talk on something that is irrelevant <laughs> yeah so like what he's done there is then he has questioned that to understand more but i don't and like and he's then used listening to do that but i wouldn't say that that's next when i when i personally think of listening i wouldn't mm -hmm. say that 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 is necessarily the context of that is like helping you determine what you actually meant out of it. I think it's much more mm. about having to contextualize for yourself what that person is saying. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get you. Um, maybe it is an issue of semantics because I, I think, you know, it's not just a, a one-way thing. You know, I mean, we said that in the introduction. It's not a one-way thing. You know, both people have to come out of the conversation looking to understand. So, of course, there's elements of both. And, and potentially, I guess, um, you know, really, really, really listening will have an element of uh, what I've described. Um, but then also, of course, you can't just come out of a conversation and one person have a realization of like, oh, you know, I know what you meant and the other person didn't. It's just about a, a collaborative effort to get to the place where both people are clear on what they want and uh, have said it uh, and, and said it and meant it. Um, so I don't know. I think it, I think it is potentially a semantics point, but I also think that there's there's probably a level of listening there that isn't often discussed, which is. You know, like listening would be me just sort of sat here, uh, not speaking and, and, and listening to you. But actually, if we treat it as a collaborative effort where we're truly interested in the other person and we're like, oh, you know, let's open up and sort of discover this this sort of conversation, then that's that's an amazing situation. And that's a great conversation that is based around listening. Well, I think and, and for me, like I'm not I'm not disagreeing on any of those points, but I think for me, the act of listening is very much around contextualizing. So if I'm really listening to what you're saying to me and like you and I talk about like business things all the time, like you'll ask my opinion on something, I'll ask your opinion on something. And when I'm actually listening to you and I do this with clients all the time as well, is I am trying to contextualize what they're saying to me. And if it's something process driven, I'm trying to build that into models that I understand and can then relay back to them as part of that. Like, here is my understanding of this now. Mm. And that, that for yeah. me, and what's going on in the background there is all about context and understanding. And because yeah. and that to me is like real listening. So you and I could could chat shit about anything. And I'm using models like in, internalized models of experience and knowledge and all that kind of stuff to then actually go, well, okay, that's that's what I, my understanding of that is. And that's what it means to me in terms of what mm -hmm. Joe's saying. So like, mm -hmm. and it comes down to, if I were to say to you, oh, that was some really shit football I just watched and you hadn't watched <laughs> the football, you would yeah. then start to contextualize that with, okay, well, he must be talking about Man City or something like that because you have, like you're obviously a red and therefore you are, born to hate the blues i'm i know i'm i'm making this shit up on the spot but like so you will you will take my statement and understand it in your own way and i think mm -hmm. that that for me is the act of real listening as opposed to like it going in one ear and out the other which yeah. i also do quite a lot that's interesting <laughs> i couldn't possibly imagine uh <laughs> we have so sometimes we'll be in a team i, I literally have probably a 15 minute attention span before you have to actively re-engage or change something or like kind of re-hook me back into something. And that's like, that is, I'm not proud of that, but it is just a, like a given. And like my team will actively halfway through conversation say, stop, like they'll be like, stop. I can see you're not listening. I need you to refocus on this. And like that, that very thing will be enough to kind of flip me back into it. But sometimes my mind wanders and I can't help it. It's an illness, yeah, yeah. Joe. I think <laughs> I think they said the same of uh, Pep Guardiola that um, he you can have him for half an hour. They call it the half an hour rule with Pep Guardiola, and and 
uh, you can have his attention for half an hour, but after that point, then uh, it drifts back into football. Uh, and I imagine that you probably do a similar version on, on something on six and flow or possibly golf. I don't know. Uh, but Motorbikes, <laughs> the current obsession, Joe. Motorbikes, yeah. <laughs> but both of us, what we're saying is it is about understanding and context because and contextualizing. So you're saying that when I'm listening to you, my role within that is to help you understand what it is you are saying. And I'm saying when you are saying that to me, it is my job to help me understand that. So like basically that we agree that there is an understanding being built by listening, right? For sure. Absolutely. Okay. Between yeah. So yeah, so how for, from a um marketing meetup perspective, how mm. how have you, how do you use listening to create better and i've stopped at saying create better whatever but like how do you improve what you guys do across the spectrum of it how do you do that through listening uh we use it in a a few different ways so i guess the first is a cultural one so at the beginning of every event that we uh run in person then we say three we say three things to everyone who comes. We say, listen, say hello, and be positively lovely. And that's been the case for the last you know, four and a half years. Um, and the reason why listen was important was that everyone knows that experience of when they walk into the rooms and they get sold out. So we set an expectation early on that people would listen to one another, come with a sense of curiosity and generosity, and come with into this room and sort of say, you know what, it's going to be as much about listening as it is about speaking. As a cultural thing, that was important because that set the tone for the event, which kind of meant that from that point onwards, people came uh, as a as a true community effort rather than just like, I'm going to tra- take as much as I can from this thing and then leave. Um, and that's been a fundamental part of the marketing meetup from day one. And the way that that sort of then uh, comes into being in the virtual world is that you see people having debates and stuff like that in the Facebook group. But it's all from a place of like looking to understand and, and, and actually like productively discuss ideas rather than sort of doing that Internet thing where people are like shouting at each other and calling each other names and, and stuff like that. So like that's one way that we've used listening. Uh, another way would be that from time to time. Uh, we will do things where we spend a couple of days and just put together a bunch of interviews and sort of speak to people and say, hey, how's it going? Is there anything more we can be doing for you? Um, And last week we alluded to a bunch of launches that came from Marketing Meetup over these sort of past couple of weeks and then into the next couple of months. And these were all the result of speaking to a bunch of people and saying, look, how can we help you more? So that was a very, very practical thing. And that was the best investment in time that I think I've ever done with a Marketing Meetup. And then there's sort of like a more informal way of listening too for us, which is just like we speak to people all the time. So like we just hear what they say. And like at the end of the day, we've got this attitude that we're here to benefit the community. We're creating something for their benefit. So if they're telling us something, then we're going to listen and we're going to say, you know what, you're telling us this thing. We're going to note it. And if we hear it again and again, we'll do something about it. You know, and, and and really just sort of being in touch with the customer and saying, you know what, we're here for you. The whole point is that we're creating this thing for you. It's important that you tell us stuff, but even more important is that if you tell us stuff, then we're going to do something about it. Um, it it's phenomenal. And it creates a bond between us and the community, which they sort of feel like we're listening, like we're creating something for their benefit. And I don't know, I, I don't think the marketing meetup could be 
where we are without sort of taking the time to say, you know what, we actually don't know what people want. <laughs> you know, I know what I want, but at the end of the day, it's not about me. So you tell me what you want and we'll build that thing or we'll build a version of that that gets to the crux of the problem that you're looking to solve. So so David David Cantel's mantra when they first started uh, Drift and uh, uh, probably still exists through the DNA of the company, but it's less kind of um, in, in less of like the marketing gumph nowadays. But it, their mantra was always closest to the customer wins. So those yeah. the people who could get the closest to the customer who understand them and are delivering what they want and what they need are the ones that are going to ultimately win. And I mean, if you look at the SaaS space and like he's he's famous for saying, famous for loads of stuff, but like uh, famous for saying when somebody said, you're, you're moving into a very populated space and you're saying, yeah, mm. that proves that people want this stuff. And mm. then what they did, and a lot of this was done with Judy Hogan who did the... Um, humans come first summit with us a lot of this was like the work that she did like looking at things like voice of the customer programs SaaS, like mm -hmm. it's it's very in vogue for SaaS to be doing voice of the customer programs um we've done them a bunch of them with hubspot so where you speak they you get uh, interviewed by the exec um start talking about like what you're seeing in the market how could hubspot help us better um those kind of things it works really really well because you get an intrinsic understanding of what are the shifts in the market and what are the products or services that are going to help in that space? And also how is your current product or services being received in that space? Because you're like, you're right. You might be, let's say you're pumping out emails, right? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is great content, but actually until you get feedback and like, I'm including like feedback as part of that listening loop, but until mm. you get some feedback on that, I mean, you, you, could be shouting into the ether like people might be like actually no this is complete shit but i don't hate it enough not to delete it but <laughs> you what i'd say one of the things that you do quite well and sometimes i would say you do it too well because you take it to heart when you get feedback yeah. um i won't go into some of those examples but um <laughs> like and I, I think like you are constantly listening and I, and I think that is a big part of what you've built within the marketing meetup is that it is a community it doesn't exist without listening because otherwise you just become a broadcaster, but you're not a broadcaster. You're not just an, a newsletter list. You are a community. And excitingly, I saw today, I got the email. Um, I actually read one of your emails. It was around uh, Cambridge coming back online. So you're going to do back to real world events. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is mental um, when, and really, really exciting, you know, and, and it is something that people have been saying that they miss. Um, just to go back to your point, about um, SaaS companies in specifically, because I think this is something that a lot of companies are missing. It's a real trick that people are missing. It's, it's the closest to the customer bit that you were speaking about with David Cancel. So if we think about the people who are closest to the customer, they're going to be salespeople and they're going to be execs uh, sort of at lower junior levels and they're going to be people in contact you know in, in sort of like customer service or customer success or, or whatever word you want to say it and the worrying trend that i've seen in, in the SaaS space is that people are becoming super reliant on their documentation to the point where uh you know they don't have an option to for people to get in touch or you know they don't even have a phone number or something like that um and what an opportunity is being missed right there. You know, I understand that it, it is cheaper, you know, and it's more cost effective. 
but at the end of the day, like this data, this these conversations, this feedback that you're getting from your customers, your community, whoever it may be, if you're missing out on all that, then then it's a really, really worrying thing for me. I think that like, you know, people are just trying to take another step away from the customer rather than sort of really leaning in and sort of saying, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna overstaff the the service center because not only do we want to give a phenomenal experience but then we want it to be a feedback loop to the rest of the company because the higher and higher and higher you get you know the less and less and less we see customers so it's interesting that you're sort of saying about like people are doing these customer voice sessions which is no doubt sort of i don't know much about them so i'd like to ask you about them actually but my assumption is that they're filled with like execs you know who are sort of out of touch with their customer base and stuff like that because they've just got to like a strategy level rather than an implementation level so they need to do these exercises to get back in touch rather than sort of having it as like a continual feedback loop with everything you said there though i i agree with most of it the only thing i would say is you are making an assumption around how people want to receive customer service so you're, the assumption you're making there is that people want more human contact or mm-hmm. like, um, and kind of they want to speak to people. Now, that's probably true in the ways that you want to contact people. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. If, if I have a tech-based problem, the last yeah. thing I want to do is speak to a person. I would much rather Google it use a chatbot and not have to engage with somebody and that but that's that's my personal preference well i guess what we're speaking about here is options then isn't it yeah exactly is it's creating those options for what people want um but those so those voice of the customer programs they are you're absolutely right they're designed so that the people who are out of touch is the wrong word but like stages removed from the the customer so that there's a lot of levels between exec and the people doing the work with the customer right and if you then look at the kind of people that a lot of those XX will be with, it will be people either in a corporate setting, um, investors, or like you're right, strategy or product, very rarely on the kind of the, the, the front lines. Now, those programs are put in place so that those people have real exposure to what people really want within those markets. So, and they're, they're a mix. So the reason I got, um, I was with one was we were talking about, and it was with the, the upper echelons of the HubSpot um, exec team. So like Darmesh was there, Nick Holland, who leads the marketing product uh, side was there. So like uh, the CFOs, those, that level. And it was, they were asking us about our partner, um, how the partner program and how, what we were seeing in certain parts of it. And they do that with different sets of partners, depending on the challenge that they're focusing within that quarter. And they will organize a subset of customers um, from that sector. So it might be an SMB set of customers, corporate, it might be industry specific, what tools they're using, all of those kind of things to get an understanding of different parts of the market. Now, what we've done internally, so I, and I was horrified years, probably about three years ago, a member of our team, like I, I thought about it and she, she was kind of like thinking about what her progression was within the business and 15.5 scores were kind of like consistently low. And I, I thought about it and I was like, fuck, I haven't spoken to this person one-on-one because like the team size grows and you get to that, like the, if you have the old adage, like the squeaky wheels, the one that gets the oil. So like, if there's a problem, that's the problem you focus on and you fix it. Right. Now, this person wasn't a problem. So therefore, 
I hadn't made extra time for it. And it sounds horrible as I'm talking through it and I'm really ashamed now actually. Um, but like we're going, and so I realized I hadn't spoken to her for pro like one-on-one -on -one other than like direct work stuff for probably over a year. And right. I was like, that's that's not okay. I have no mm -hmm. idea. Um, what, so originally what I started doing was every week I would have a one hour meeting and we made them walking meetings around Manchester. So we had a one hour, cause that's when I started my uh, get less fat phase. Um, so we turned them into week, uh, walking meetings and we would just chat shit for an hour. Like it, it could be about business stuff. It could be about the company, but it was more about, okay, what's going in your life on in your life? Like how, how are things going? What, what um, are you wanting from your career? Like, previously you've talked about this is that still the stuff that you're interested in and we did that right up until covid and then that what what happened at covid is that became another zoom call that people had to do and we're like and at that point we were like get rid of as many zoom calls as we can <laughs> yeah um and now what we've done more recently is we've introduced something called skip level meetings so a skip level meeting is somebody it's when you have a meeting with somebody who isn't your direct report so yeah. it's normally a level removed or in a different department um, that you would not normally directly manage. So every person on the leadership team has one of those meetings per week. So now I know that, so that's um, uh, for, uh, now I know like every eight to 12 weeks, everybody in the business has had one of those conversations and we've learned a ton of shit from that over. Sure. And we've only been running those for a couple of months now and right. we're learning things and not only are we learning things that we didn't know we're also different leader leadership members are getting a better understanding of the things that they don't normally interact with and that yeah. that helps because now they're like oh that's how that works or how that department has that challenge and things like that yeah that's so interesting i mean it, it's great you know to set it up and and these things i mean so without meaning to you know sort of put it down a level but I mean like going for a walk and having a meeting with someone you wouldn't usually have a meeting with it doesn't sound bonkers does it you know but actually to give the time and effort to these things is next level it's the type of stuff that makes a huge difference despite being a small effort um, and it, it's making me as you were speaking I was starting to feel a little bit guilty because I know that's something that I do quite a lot is that you know someone will say to me hey Joe I'd just like to pick your brains for you know 20 minutes half an hour and like I, I turned down the vast majority of those talks those those chats not because you know it, well because it's not specific enough you know because it's like you know it's it's that um it's that thing where it's like well just tell me what you want you know and I can help you and I'm always 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 willing to help people but like it has to, generally speaking it feels more respectful to tell me exactly what you want. And so I guess there's this balance point, right? Where you're saying like going for a walk can be so cathartic. It can create this sort of renewed relationship. It can create a new relationship and that's amazing. And like, maybe there's something just about chilling out and giving space for those opportunities to exist. And even though I appreciate it's a balance, you can't say yes to every coffee meeting you get invited to because you do nothing else. Then maybe there's just an element of like creating these spaces for listening through some fairly simple things um but it's amazing what comes off the back of it i don't know does that sound like complete rubbish or I don't no know. no I, I think it, yeah it's a perfect uh, summary um but like uh, 
So the the way that the SaaS companies work, right, is they they get to understand their customers and then ultimately they build products off of that understanding or or some rarely but sometimes services as well. Yeah. And you you can't do that without understanding what people are actually or, I mean you can, but you'd be a fucking idiot to start that process without understanding what your customer base wants because you'll create something, spunk a bunch of cash and then but like, fuck, nobody actually wants to use it. So it's very <laughs> rare that people create products or services off the back of that anymore. Like we we do a lot of customer surveying and engagement. Like, mm. I mean, we do the normal NPS stuff. NPS is such fucking bullshit anyway. Like as in, like it, it's a good like sense checker, right? And it can sometimes spot issues, but it's often, it's, it's a retrospect. It often mm. doesn't, cut things off at the past like if if somebody is saying things are bad then it's probably too late by the time they bother it in a, an mps and the other thing you find is people typically only do an mps if something is wrong or if something is amazingly good there's very little in between mm. um normally that's what we see anyway but it's, it sounds just like the balance doesn't it you know it sounds like you know making the time for these conversations um... what's the real conversations it's actually speaking to the customers and this this is one of the things that i don't do enough but i do still do is i speak regularly with a bunch of our customers and like we will like we'll, we'll chat shit for a bit but then i'll ask them questions like how, what is what is going on in your market how how are things shifted and i spent a lot of and this is part of why i burnt out a bit towards the beginning of um uh, the COVID stuff is I said yes to every meeting that like mm. client or not. And equally I reached out to our clients saying, Hey, like I've got insight of what's happening across the market. There's also things that we can do to help you. If you need our help, do you want to jump on a call? And yeah. it was those kind of conversations where you start to get a deeper understanding of the client's plans and all that. And it's, mm. they quite often won't have those discussions with their regular team because I'm outside of a normal reporting loop. We also do it as a sales team. So our within our, our sales automation, um, like our back end, so as soon as a contract's signed, our sales team will get a 30-day, 90-day, um, and then 180-day um, kind of notifications saying, just reach out to them and ask how things are going. So we'll, and we'll reach out outside of the normal loop and just say, Hey, how are things going? Is there anything that like the team could be doing better? Are you happy? And it's those conversations where quite often we'll, there'll be something brewing that we didn't know was going on, or we'll get like a glowing review saying how good the team are. And then we can share that internally with everybody else. But also if there is an issue, it means that we can jump in uh, like ahead of that and work with the team to make sure that that is righted. And that stuff is really, really powerful because it also reminds the person the salesperson is still there they didn't just win you and throw you over a fence so it's proactive listening exactly proactive listening but it also (laughs) comes also comes back to that understanding so what we are doing there is understanding what is going on with the client and understanding how we can help them better and how we can service them better Mm -hmm. well you know and, and that that's account management <laughs> you know, exactly you know, but but it, so it, often it's not so often yeah. like we come back to your example about like the shitty SaaS um practices that you're seeing more and more there is an, a, a lack of listening in a lot of those where people aren't being understood and the SaaS companies are saying no actually this is how you're going to work and how you're going to use our tool don't really care about what else is going on sure. and that's it's it's the human face that starts to get taken away from that process 
that's it well you know and, and and it it's interesting you know so much of that is about uh how different products are built you know and and particularly in the SaaS space then you know traditionally it is like a product-led uh space you know it's, it's someone builds a, a a tool and then sort of thinks okay who am i going to sell it to you know rather than the other way which uh, is what you've described in in uh, sort of more enlightened companies where they sort of say, okay, well, we've listened to some insight. Let's build something off the back of what we've been told, you know, and that's the difference between product orientation and market orientation. And, and it's something that Mr. Ritson speaks about a lot, you know, is every good marketer should be starting from market orientation because at that point you're starting from a place of genuine insight into a market. You're solving a problem that exists for human beings rather than just creating something for the sake of it. Um, you know, which seems like a far more productive way to do things because uh, there's nothing worse than spending hours weeks days months years building something and then uh, nobody wanting it so um, it's interesting it's just really interesting so. well it, it, it also it, i mean it, we've talked very much about product and service yeah. but this this comes into hiring and um, maintaining like teams as well like it is mm. it is a big part of it so we use 15.5 we survey everybody weekly like how how you how happy are you how happy do you think our clients are like how how did you do something around the core values? How could we make your role better? Like regularly, every week, stuff like that mm -hmm. goes out to them. Mm -hmm. Quarterly, we do a session where it's about like representing the vision, the goals, and listening to the questions. But also, we ask them to give us feedback that we then use as a leadership team to make sure that as a leadership team we're serving them better. But also, where there's gaps. So quite regularly where like i'll be happy kind of trudging along going everybody understands what the vision is but when you <laughs> actually dig into it they're like well we are roughly we know where we're going and then like you start to think about it like well of course they fucking don't know because i change my mind a million times a day and if i don't sure. document it and tell people how would they mm. ever know mm. and i think that's that's a big part of it i've enjoyed this joe it's been fun <laughs> yeah, thanks mate i feel like it's, it's really interesting so you know i mean the whole point of this podcast is we're two people you know we're not this homogenous sort of brain that thinks the, the same thing so i think it's been really nice to get a couple of different contexts and opinions on this thing um and, and sort of have we didn't go into debate territory but certainly opportunity to learn from each other so i'm grateful for that mate so thank you pleasure see you next week yeah well yeah i guess so sounds good man <laughs> thanks for listening everybody bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.